0: Hello, and welcome to episode nine of Magic and the Other Guy. And I am here, as always, with my good friend Kevin Fielden, and we're sitting outside my home on Lake Wiley. And, uh, Kevin, I have to say, the first thing this morning, as I was preparing for you to arrive, it was bitterly freezing Agreed. down here. Yes, but now it's, it's, I'm looking at the thermometer over there, it's about 60-something degrees, so not too bad at all. Now with the sunshine on the porch, I think we're doing well. I think we're doing very well. So, starters off, as always, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, this time of year, people are very focused on a lot of
1: feasting and great great foods, and maybe some foods they're getting back to and such like that, they bring back great memories. I was curious as to what uh, food you may maybe remember growing up with, and that was very important to you, and that you really miss and and can't get anymore, and such like that.
0: Well, um, (laughs) there is this always, this stereotypical standing joke that English cooking is very terrible and bland. But it really isn't the case. I'm sure that's just like urban legend. It's urban legend, yes. And my response to all that is, it's like, you know, folks would look over from uh, from Europe over to the United States and say, "Well, you guys eat nothing but, you know, chicken McNuggets and root beer," (laughs) which of course is not not true, And, and there are lots of terrific regional dishes in England. And one thing that we do. Eat quite a lot in England, which I don't actually see an awful lot in the States. Is lamb? We have a lot True. of lamb in England. Really, yeah. good we, we, word we uh, in England. Industry. I should say, actually, a good uh, a lot of lamb in Britain because a lot of our, our lamb comes from either New Zealand or from Wales. Wales is uh, the Welsh are big producers of lamb, so we have a lot of lamb. So I do enjoy I do enjoy lamb, but I have to say. Uh, some of the dishes that I miss the most are the wonderful Indian dishes uh, that from the Indian restaurants, from the, yeah, in, from the international f- community and uh, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, large uh, section of the immigrant community uh, in England uh, are, are from the subcontinent. And of course we were surrounded by the most delicious, I mean just awesome, Indian restaurants little restaurants that would pop up everywhere you know and and things like chicken tikka masala um you know you if, you if you say to almost anybody from England or Britain you know do you enjoy going out for a curry on a on a Friday night they're gonna say yeah absolutely okay. so it's a, it's a, yes and for me it was always a chicken tikka masala but uh, yes I love that how about you well, growing up, I mean, we had uh, the pattern of you know
1: mom, and every family kind of has their own pattern. And my mom's was very simply: she would she would cook through the week, but on Saturday nights we were going to go out, and on Sunday after church we would go out. Yeah. And then on uh, Sunday evening it was always a much more simple meal, maybe soup and sandwich. Because right. We've had a larger meal at, uh, at on on Sunday afternoon, but uh, you know some of the dishes, you know. Everybody, again, every family's different, but we had a number of casseroles. That was a big 70s thing. Everybody started yes. making casseroles. So yeah. we would have chip beef casserole, which had macaroni in it. And uh, she did have one that was uh, a tuna base. and wasn't my favorite, but it was okay. Yeah. Um, she did always leave the pimentos out of my section because I didn't care for pimentos. I remember that. <laughs> but uh, to be to be honest, you know, we, we enjoyed uh, the... the pattern you know like I say on, on Sundays we almost always went out to the same cafeteria after church uh, when I was little it was called Byerly's and then later it changed the name Ramsey's and it's right there at the University of Tennessee campus which right. we drove through yes uh, so we might have driven by the building but you know you get in the pattern and and it was so reg- regimented that we were there all the time that occasionally we'd run into my grandparents there yeah or my cousin or uh, my other cousin who was in the Coast Guard, he'd be there with his other uh, you know, shipmates
0: that were in the in the Coast Guard with him. So you're always bumping into friends and family. At that place, yeah, yes, that yeah, was very yeah, much yeah, a, yeah. a
1: staple of what we did.
0: Yeah. And of course the other great English tradition which everyone in the world is aware that the English love is of course good quality fish and chips. Yes, absolutely. Good That'd be the quality, first thing I would want if I ever get to good make quality my way to fish England. Fish and chips, yes. And for, and for for many years, I mean, I can remember this as a kid growing up, but for many years uh, in England, the fish and chips, it would, it would, it, that was a Friday night tradition, actually, uh, for many years. But they were always wrapped in newspaper. They yeah. were always wrapped in old newspaper. And eventually, I think it was outlawed because of the um, potential for the contamination from the printer's ink. Yeah, there might be something in there that yeah, could be a problem, yeah, would, I guess. Be, would be my guess, because I noticed all the fish and chip shops almost overnight started using just plain white paper. And that great tradition of wrapping them in newspaper had gone, but I do remember that. And it was a, it was a wonderful um, treat. If we were to go swimming midweek, and it was something that my dad was very keen that we should do. Uh, he wanted us all to swim and um, we used to go with uh, a bunch of other parents and school kids and we'd all meet down at the little local swimming pool in Loughborough, a tiny little town, uh, and a wonderful old school swimming pool that also had uh, bathtubs and showers. And so for those folks that were living in tenement houses and didn't have at that time internal you know, a bathroom as such you know to have a bath Absolutely, you yep. could once a week go down to the Loughborough bath house and have a bath down there you know you could take soap and um, and shampoo and have a good scrub up in the bath then go swimming and okay. then, and then yeah. have a shower afterwards and go home but when we went swimming we learned to swim um so I'm talking now that this would be in the mid 60s mid-60s to late-60s, early-70s. We would then, as a great treat, go, uh, go to the chip shop on the way back and okay. have, have a bag of chips with salt and vinegar, lots of salt, lots of vinegar. Did you
1: notice a difference being more inland
0: than when you maybe had it on the coast? Did you notice a... Okay, the quality of the fish? No, it didn't really seem to change. It didn't really seem to change. But very much like in England, even the smallest of villages would likely have five pubs for example right it was just it just was i mean they're closing almost every day now in in england so many pubs are closing but back then in the in the in the 60s and 70s most most small even small villages yeah would have five or six pubs and for reasons which were completely unexplainable. Um, to me, even to this day, some folks would prefer one pub over another. And, uh, you know, my parents' friends, some would like to go to um, the Bull and Bush, and some would like to go to the Pear Tree or the Forest Rock or, or the Curzon Arms or whatever it was. But you would, it was an unwritten rule that you never dared ask why certain folks wanted to go in a certain pub It's just the way it was yep. now th- this so is we made a better decision and this yeah, is ours. Now that that <laughs> never change but that I mentioned this because that was exactly the same with the with the with the chip shops some folks would prefer you know chip shop on main street and some would prefer it on college street and whatever it was but you would you would have your favorite chip shop I and mean, you'd never go anywhere else hmm. I think that's true. Uh, in our area, we're in the Carolinas, and you see the different types
1: of barbecue. Yes, you know there there be those different styles, and you pick a style, and that's kind of your style.
0: Yes, and now educate me, you know, because of my um, um, few years in the United States, but certainly in 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 in, uh, in Charlotte, I've there is a vinegar-based barbecue, which Definitely. is one type, and. You either like it or you don't like yeah, it. And yeah. you, and you and just it's usually
1: cook. more, I think the vinegar one tends to be more minced up, like it's smaller, in, 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 in quite, like pieces are smaller, Okay, uh, in my experience. And then there's just the kind of traditional, which is a larger piece, and you tend to put the sweet barbecue sauce on that. And then there's uh, another type, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure how these all break down. There's okay. mustard-based. Which I'm not a mustard fan at all, so that is my yes. not a, not one that I'm going to choose. I usually tend to do the just regular with the sweet sauce on it most often times. Like when we are you
0: know, our our favorite place usually. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I've that I've that I we're talking about fish and chips. Uh, I see fish camps mentioned around, which is like a you know a little restaurant that would sell fish and, and, other, and other fried things, it seems to be quite an appeal around here. Actually, yeah, when I lived in Jacksonville, of course,
1: you know, we did one of our dinner events down in Jacksonville, there is a place down there that was the go-to, like, if anytime family was in town yeah. or whatever, we are going to go to Clark's Fish Camp. Clark's Fish Camp. And it was over near near Orange Park area, okay. and it was on the water, so you could boat up to it, or, you know, they had uh, decks that kind of went over the water and everything, and I still remember... Oh, it was just so good. And this was, you know, 20-plus years ago. Yeah. And I would always get, like, the jalapeno poppers at the beginning because they were big ones. And when you cut that thing open, chunky, molten cheddar cheese would ooze out Whoa. of it. And then for an entree, I, always, I was a creature of habit. I would get, you know, the blackened mahi yeah. and usually, like, uh, black-eyed peas or uh, macaroni and cheese on yeah. the side. But they had gator bites. You know, we had bites of gator tail there. Would um, I
0: be right that they 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 have hush hush puppies? Oh, definitely! So.
1: I'm sure. Yeah, I think hush puppies probably came with everything. Now I think about it. But.
0: Yeah, well, and that's entirely new to me. I can never remember having hush puppies on the other side of the Atlantic. So, t- t- just explain to me, if you can, what a what a hush puppy is. I mean, it's it's a balled up
1: piece of like cornmeal and, yeah. and whatever. And, and I I think the history of the name actually goes to back when pioneer days or before that you know right. whenever it was that yeah you'd be cooking and, and you'd have this little bit of cornmeal so the 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 matriarch of the family would be cooking and she would maybe ball up a little bit and toss it to the dogs to give them to hush up while they're she's trying to cook oh, and no she, kidding. she wouldn't annoy them
0: yeah i think that's where the name comes, comes okay from. so then they're boiled up and deep fried i'm guessing is the yeah answer. yes all yeah. right yeah
1: but they're served pretty much at every fish place fish and chips place you go to all the chains have
0: them. Yes. And a lot of barbecue places will have them. And so. and so concentrating just for the moment on fish camps, where does that name come from? What did, Where did fish, I mean, do you is that just lost in lost in the annals of history? Why, why fish camp? I would assume,
1: again, I think it's pr- maybe in my head, I'm thinking it's probably something maybe in the 20s, 30s and 40s where yeah. people would take a vacation to a lakeside area. And ah, maybe okay. maybe okay. they would rent one of those canvas tents for the week, or they bring their own camper
0: or something yeah, and maybe okay. just spend
1: the week yeah. as a vacation and also they would go out and you know fish fish for the week for pleasure and for food maybe they're going to you know get up get a good bunch of yes. meal, meal fish yeah and, so uh, it was
0: based on a family vacation for example yeah based on a summer vacation go I would go away so. to camp and fish yeah fish i would think camping, it's that, that, it. that, old, oh, okay. that old
1: image you can think of the old image in the 1950s <laughs> right, right. of the the, the teardrop ta- trailer attached to the yeah. back of the you know country squire wagon and yeah. off the family goes and that that's my my thoughts on it anyway
0: yeah I, last time i was camping uh, by myself you now about three or four years ago i was up in uh, lynnville gorge uh, up around blind rock and um, i noticed there was a i was there for i don't know maybe five days uh, but I noticed there are a lot of um, families that seem to be camping up there, not on a permanent basis, but they were certainly not going anywhere for two or three months. I mean, they were, like, based there. And I did talk to a couple of guys, and they said, yeah, we come up here, and we, you know, we spend the summer here, and we fish, and we love it. Just yeah. get outside, and we love it. Well, back uh, back in
1: episode one, I'd, I'd mentioned we had a lake house. Right. And we, we had a, a lake house in, in a little cove, and when you took the boat out, if you, if you came out of our cove, and you went into the main channel of the lake. And if you mm-hmm. went right, that took you to the big, big part of the lake. But a couple of coves over just at the entrance was Eagle's let's see, Eagles Nest Lodge. And then if you came out of the boat and took a left. Now, this took you to where it, the kind of the corner ended. You couldn't go any further. Yes. But there was one called Lakeview okay. Lodge. Yeah. And they both kind of did the same purpose. People would come, rent a little cabin, and spend the week, whatever. But they always had a little uh, general store kind yeah. of with them, a small, like convenience-type store. So if we were on the boat, that's where we could, you know, as kids, and take the boat up and go and, and run in, and we could get our candies, you yeah. know, or whatever, and such like that. And they had, you know, fishing supplies too, you know, tackle and stuff like that, whatever you need. But but I still remember both of them. They both had, uh, well, I know Lakeview had it. I'm not sure if Eagles lodged it or not. But they had a gas pump too, so you get gas for your car and your boat.
0: So. I remember, you just, you just made me think now, thinking about Food and memories. I mean, food is food is very. The food and the smell of food is very evocative. It brings back memories of of where we've been in the past. And uh, having this conversation now, I'm thinking about the cold and the potential for snow. Now many years ago, I'm thinking about 25 years ago, a group of friends of, uh, of mine in England, we decided, and I'm not sure why we decided this, but we're, we're always looking for the next little adventure. We decided we were going to drive up to Malvern in Derbyshire, which is right up in the hills. It's beautifully green and very picturesque. Uh, and, and we were going to spend a night at what is known as an outdoor pursuit centre. And it's basically very Basic accommodation, like a bunkhouse, but very basic accommodation for uh, mountain climbers, rock climbers, um, hikers, that sort of thing, you know. And so they would spend one night there in this sort of communal bunkhouse, and then they'd set off the next day. Well... The big attraction to my friends and I at the time, it was incredibly affordable accommodation. So we could go and spend the night there for, let's say it was five pounds, basically like, let's say 10 bucks. And uh, we, we, you know, it's just an adventure to get away from home. So we did this and we set off driving uh, in a little van, Um, and it had just started to snow now if we were being sensible we should have realized that driving up into the Malvern Hills if it is snowing in Loughborough means it is going to be very heavy snow once you got up into Malvern but we never gave that a thought Mm -hmm. so we set off up to Malvern and sure enough the snow got heavier and heavier as we were driving up there and we arrived at the bunkhouse and um, the chap that was on a farm and the the farmer said were you sure you want to Spend the night here. just so because it's snowing pretty, pretty hard. You may get stranded, and of course the idea of just being stranded up in the Malvern Hills was just more of an adventure. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be great, you know, it'll be, it'll be wonderful. Well, sure enough, it continued to snow heavily overnight, and uh, we did get snowed in. There was no way that we were going to get out, so we were stranded in this bunkhouse until the snowplows came through and cleared the roads, cleared the roads out, or uh, the snow began to melt. But the reason I'm there is a reason for this long story. So, we realised the next morning, of course, that we we didn't have any supplies with us. So, what are we going to do to you know to eat? What are we going to eat? But we knew there was a little village about three miles over the fields that was completely blanketed with white snow. So we set off across the fields, trudge, trudge, trudge across these fields, and we got there was, we got to the little village, and there was one little shop open that would sell us. One, ori- oh, one, one orange, one potato, one onion, one carrot, that sort of thing, and one tiny piece of meat that we could make a stew out of. Yep. But they wouldn't sell anything else because, of course, they had to supply the whole village until supplies got through. So we trudged back over these fields there with, you know, the absolute bare minimum to make a stew. The pipes were frozen, so we couldn't actually get any water um out of the pipes so we were melting snow on a gas stove inside this bunkhouse and then we made a very weak watery stew type broth that, that we lived on for three days I mean, we were stranded in there for three days so every time the level of the soup got lower we would just put more snow in there and eat it back up again but yeah great memories but you know, I to this day I'm not sure that it was the wisest thing setting off into the snow up to the Malvern Hills when it was snowing in Loughborough.
1: Well, you're going going out there with an adventure. Hopefully, Jack London will write about.
0: <laughs> it was a great, it was a great, it was a great fun time. But of course, you know, um, you, you, we all look for adventures. I think when we when we are younger in life. I'm not sure I'd want to do that adventure again. But at the time, it was great fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, sometimes it's the smallest little things, you know, that, that yeah. stick with you forever, you know. Yes, yeah, so and one of the great appeals to that bunkhouse, so I'm sure it's still there. I think it's cool. I'll we'll have to have a look on, on, on Google and Wikipedia. We keep saying that, you know. If, you know we, can, we, can, we have a rough idea what we're talking about, but, of course, we've got no way of verifying a lot of facts. But I think this place was called Pindale, P-I-N-D-A-L-E, Pindale Outdoor Pursuit Center. Um, i have to have a look on Google, see if it still exists. But again, it was a quarter of a century or so the last time I was there, but yeah, great fun. And the, the other thing that made it great fun was, of course, there was just this like one bunkhouse with maybe room for 15 people in it. So you were, you were absolutely sharing everything that you had, you were sharing with everybody else who was there. It's kind that, of like a hostel. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. exactly like a hostel, exactly like a hostel. Yes, exactly that. Uh, but of course, that particular weekend when we were there, Nobody else was foolish enough to to be there over <laughs> the weekend, so we had the bunkhouse, the hostel, to ourselves, if you like. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah all they had. Uh, we were in uh, Austria uh, with some friends. It was actually an old college roommate of mine, and his he'd gotten married fairly recently, so they were kind of newlyweds, maybe a year or two. Right. Um, but they were um, able to work over there in Austria for a few months, as she was studying uh, like city patterns and and all that, and, and so they provided them a uh, housing and stuff. So when they found out they were going they sent out an email uh to everyone that they knew saying hey we're going to be over there anybody want to come well it wasn't 15 seconds before we replied back we will be there (laughs) and we did we coordinated going over there well one of the uh last last things we did i I think it's smart to do this on the latter part of your trip because we decided to go skiing because that way if we did wipe out we didn't ruin our whole
0: trip anyway but we took we took
1: the train over from uh uh, vienna to i can't remember the name of the little little village area that we ended up in but we stayed at a Uh, english-speaking hostel there and it was us and mostly a group of australians were there and i think you know we arrived probably sometime before dinner so we did have a communal dinner with them which was was very good yeah and then we ended up playing a little bit of a drinking game with them that night
0: with the australians with the australians imagine that i'm shocked shocked that you would suggest that the aussies like to have a beer
1: which which was was interesting um, and it, it was it was a little bit of all kind of craziness, but you know I was at least smart enough to call call myself down by two and say good night. And I, I remember I went ahead and crashed, and I remember the next morning we were at the breakfast buffet, and I was in line with one of the Aussies, and I, right. I said to him, "Morning, how's it? How you doing?" And he said, "Not good, mate. Not good." <laughs> and then we all were hitting the slopes that day. But uh, it's funny, we actually while out there we we stopped for. Lunch on the mountain at a little place. I still remember I had uh, spaghetti outdoors. Oh yeah, you know, just in Austria, I just had spaghetti, whatever. But uh, the leader that uh, led their group ended up stopping at the same time. So she uh, sat down. I think her name was Charmaine or something like that. Now, but uh, and she had lunch with us, so it was real nice. And we all ended up actually leaving to go to our. We were going back to Vienna, and I think they were going on to somewhere. But we are on the same train going back.
0: I bet that was beautiful, wasn't it? I've never been on a train in Austria, but I just, I, I envision it as being absolutely wonderful.
1: Oh, it was fantastic! Yeah. It's my first time ever really doing a train because in America you very rarely, you know, you can do Amtrak here and there yes. or whatever, but yeah. most people never really do any type of train travel.
0: But really I, mean, surp- I mean, that does I mean, this is a conversation for another episode, perhaps, but it does surprise me how little. <laughs> use the trains get in the states I mean I don't wish to in any ways, belittle the train service I don't mean that in any way but I would imagine you know, I always got these looking at the states from the opposite side of the Atlantic looking over of course you know and seeing all the wonderful cowboy films there was always steam engines going across the prairies and I always imagined that the, the, the America would be full of exciting train journeys but it's not really the case is it? I, I think once the car took over it took
1: over yes yeah, yeah. very, very yeah. much a different mentality
0: Yes, but the, um, trains, in, uh, trains in Europe, of course, they do get very widely used, but yes, I imagine those train journeys in Austria, in Switzerland, in the mountains of Italy, and uh, down in the south of, you know, the south of France, and the Pyrenees, and all around there, I imagine it's absolutely beautiful on some of those train journeys, yeah. I'd like to do a lot more of that, actually. I think, um, um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, actually. Um, he's a big fan of trains. And uh, he'd been on a train journey in Switzerland, and this is just absolutely fantastic, you know, going right up into the mountains. Oh, I'd say it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, kind of getting back around uh, to where we kind of started... what were some of the dishes that you remember your your mother cooking that were so oh, yes, w- so wonderful right. and, and yeah. such?
0: We do seem to drift off on our <laughs> conversations. Every stuff, once in you know, a while yeah. we can
1: circle ourselves <laughs> back.
0: That's yes, yes, right. Yeah. That's why we take the, the listener yes. on
1: a journey. We never know where we're going
0: either. Well, I'm going to circle back, full circle now, to when we started this conversation. Uh, conversation, and I said, you know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a stereotypical image that the uh, uh, English cooking is very bland. But I must say, dear old mum. Uh, she wasn't the most adventurous of, of cooks, and she used to tell me that when, in her early days of marriage, when when mum and dad first got married, that she had to rely very heavily on my auntie Phil, we mentioned mentioned before the pub, the pub, yep. the pub owner. My auntie Phil taught my mum to cook. And uh, she had, my mum had absolutely no idea even how to boil a potato. You know, she just, she'd always relied on her mum to do the cooking. And so uh, she had to learn from scratch how to, how to do that, which is why uh, a lot of our cooking was fairly basic. But I mean, we, we, would have, we would enjoy things like on, a, on an average Sunday, we would have a roast chicken uh-huh. between the family and mashed potatoes and carrots and parsnips. Um, <clears throat> so we did very well. Um, but, on special feast days, such as Christmas Day, we would have turkey and then, on boxing day, the day after boxing day would always be everything that we had left over that was cold you yeah. know so we' like you say we sandwiches and yeah. uh, sandwiches and then um, the more adventurous of, of my friends' parents would, would have a go at making a chicken a chicken or a turkey curry from the leftovers. Oh, very good! But of course, as as we just got into this conversation when we started, we were surrounded by the most wonderful uh, local Indian and Pakistani restaurants. That the idea, <laughs> the idea of cooking a curry was really a non-starter because, you know, you were you were surrounded by experts at the game. So yep. just go and explore and enjoy that, that cooking. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the first time I kind of realized your mom was uh,
1: kind of a little more just basic in her cooking, and that's how that's how my mom
0: was. Really? Yeah.
1: Um, well, mom didn't like anything spicy, so she wasn't going to cook anything yes, spicy. Yes. Um And also, she really she didn't eat any kind of bean. For some reason, she had an aversion to beans or anything like that. Can't do it. Now just we still had it. them because all she had to do was open up again and, and heat right. them up, and Dad and I would have yes. them. But it, she wasn't going to have any, so. It wasn't till I kind of got older I kind of enjoyed this explosion of all these tastes and stuff yes, cuz I yes. I finally could be out somewhere and order something with some spice and kick to it and I really picked I was like this is delicious.
0: Yes, I was exactly the same. And the, the yes.
1: big the big thing I still remember this was probably when I was in junior high and we finally would would cook tacos at home. You know, just your basic Ortega taco mix, you know, right. with the ground beef and I thought that was the big biggest deal ever. And, in fact, I mean, sometimes she'd do it on a Friday. And I still remember one time a friend of mine wanted me to come over and hang, you know, stay the night with them and stuff like that. I said, I'm coming, but I'm going to wait till after taco, <laughs> taco night.
0: <laughs> That's right. So I wouldn't yeah. go until we're done. Well, my first experience of, um, I'm going to say Italian cooking, but the story will explain it. Explain it. It's not Italian cooking. But my first experience of spaghetti uh, was with a, a, my girlfriend at the time. And we wouldn't would have been... 13, 14, 15, and um, she said to me one day, have you ever, ever had spaghetti? Well, of course my entire experience of spaghetti was out of the can. You know, it would be spaghetti with tomato sauce or spaghetti spaghetti hoops, but everything was out of account. Spaghetti like hoops. SpaghettiOs. Spaghetti-os. Oh, Spaghetti-os. I didn't know they had
1: made their way over. But.
0: Spaghetti Hoops, we called them. Yep. It would be Franco-American SpaghettiOs. It would be SpaghettiOs on toast was the... Mm. <laughs> was we had. That sounds like a school lunch. Yes, it was another school lunch for us. Um, uh, for us, it was more likely to be a Sunday afternoon tea. Uh, beans on anything on toast was always popular in England. If you put it on toast, everyone was having a good time. It could be egg on toast, beans on toast, spaghetti hoops on toast. Rice paper on toast. Well, we never... (laughs) That's really taken us back. Uh, So one day, my girlfriend said to me, let's make some spaghetti. And I said, well, (laughs) I can see the biggest problem we're going to have to encounter right now is we haven't got any spaghetti. Like, you know, we don't have it. And she said, I think the posh food shop down in the village, which I think was called Le Faire. so I might be wrong there, um, but it was. It had all the stuff that no one could really afford it. thought. <laughs> <Fort. laughs> the posh people could afford to go in there, we couldn't, but she said, let's go down there and just see whether or not they have spaghetti and we'll make some spaghetti. Oh, okay. So we walked down the village. Once again, it was across the fields and took us you know, two or three miles to get down there. And we, sure enough, we did find, a pack of spaghetti in in Lefebvre, if that's, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. But the packet was, you know, it would be the best part of two feet long. You know, it was the very long spaghetti, and uh, the, I was just absolutely amazed, just looking at just the packaging and this exciting thing that might be inside. You know, like, yeah. wow, this is this is really spaghetti. Wow, I'm expanding
1: my uh, yeah.
0: my outreach. Yes, absolutely. And so you know, we took it back home, and of course, the you know. <laughs> We did, we, had, we didn't really have any tomato sauce, so I think it may have been with with ketchup. <laughs> so it was to, it was spaghetti with mainly ketchup. But I just remember the cooking of the spaghetti, and seeing you know the, the the how the spaghetti becomes malleable and folds in on itself when you put it in boiling water and all of that. Well, it it was a sort of. It was a, it was a it was a it was a first step into a much bigger world with international cooking, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's funny, yeah, spaghetti
1: is one of those I specifically remember my mom cooking, which was odd because she would get out, you know, those little electric skillets that are like, you know, twelve inches by twelve yes. inches that you plug in. Yes. And she would make this sauce, which was never a red sauce, it was brown. Mm. So it had ground beef in it. And I guess she put some flour in it or whatever, and she made this brown sauce and it had little tiny chunk, little tiny cubes of mushroom in it, which I would just flick out with my fork. But you're not a mushroom we, guy. No, no. But we never had red sauce like marinara. And right. I And looking back, I'm like going, why took the time to make this in a skillet? Because it it was okay, but it wasn't. <laughs> I would have just been happy with a jar of ragu or prego and some. Uh, yeah. Put it in with some ground beef and stir. And uh, we'd have had a more, much more traditional uh, spaghetti,
0: but yeah. that's
1: how she did it all those years.
0: Yes, you see, one of the big advantages I think that y- you guys had in the states is, you know, this. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a well-discussed fact. Is that that America is sort of, you know, the world's melting pot, if you like. There are so many different cultures and and ethnicities all in the same country. And, you know you have all this different food available to you but of course when we were growing up in England we were so isolated that we really didn't get any exposure to that yeah again our, our great exposure to international cuisine uh, was via the, uh, the by the subcontinent so we had nothing you know we had nowhere to go we had nowhere to you know we had no, nowhere to learn from of course yeah. the internet was a, you know was was about 50 years away mm. so there was no very little research but um yes i do remember that experience with spaghetti being just you know it's a mind opening thing and and then of course you know in later years when i started working with banneton and we had uh, italian chefs working for the race team and uh, uh, i was very keen to you know i like to cook as you know and i'm very keen to learn anything new and um, uh, i would watch the italian chefs working uh, cooking just simple dishes like aglio olio and just you know just just spaghetti with olive oil and garlic and chili and and some pasta on the top of it. Very basic, simple recipe. Um, but all those very seemingly very simple things, it's so easy to get them wrong. Until you watch how the chefs make them so easy. Yeah. And once they've done it for many uh, yes, years, it's just yes. they don't have to. They can do it blindfolded. And, 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 and... and I could never quite make it the same. I was a big fan of trying to make oil because you know, I, you know, used to love it. We all did. My friend. Um, um, Kenny Hankam, a former colleague from Benetton, he was a huge fan of Olio. All and um, so I asked the chef one day, I said, I just can't quite get it right, what you guys do, and mine's just not the same. And he said, he said, you need to remember to do one thing, Steve. He said, you need to take just a spoonful or two spoonfuls of the water that the pasta is being cooked in and add that to the pan when you're mixing in the olive oil in, uh, with the garlic and everything else. I said, just, just do that. And did that, and like, boom, instantly different instantly different one tiny little thing yes yeah yeah yes yeah but you're you're not a big fan of mushrooms at all you just want no I mean I don't want them on pizza it's probably (laughs) it's a taste and a texture thing so I
1: just never no
0: yeah so well we all like we all like and dislike I I, I know there's not an awful lot of things that I don't like but um, as we've chatted about before with sweets and candies I don't have a sweet tooth but my mum made up for that She would she would willingly forego um, anything else that was available and have two sweets. She'd have Mm -hmm. two desserts if possible. Was she a big baker then? Did she like to Uh, bake at the house? Not really, because again, she wasn't cooking wasn't particularly her thing. uh, But she would she would love. Um, a wonderful chocolate cake, that sort of yeah. thing. And, yeah, yeah she, anything that was sweet, she would love.
1: We didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of sweet. I mean, occasionally it would just be on a on a whim. And usually it's me, with me, uh, you know, prodding it is, you know, I just might be a random Wednesday night and we'd have had dinner and i say, can we make chocolate chip cookies tonight? And if Mom had the ingredients, she'd be like, yeah, why not? Yeah. So she'd whip up a batch of those and such like that. But, yeah, we didn't
0: have pies and homemade cakes in the house regularly. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: anyway.
0: so that's another image that I can, you know, again, is – stereotypical image that probably doesn't really exist but looking over to the states from england I always to see these wonderful shots of pies calling on the shelf outside you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i always imagine that everyone was eating wonderful home baked pies in the states but to know we never really did that but i tell you the, the one treat that um and this is probably more more my dad actually than than the mum but we would occasionally have a midweek treat of uh, a jacket potato, baked potato, yeah, and uh, we would have it around nine o'clock, so way too late at night. So we'd have a light tea around sort of four or five in the afternoon after school, and then Dad would say, you know, oh let's have jacket potatoes for supper for a treat, you know, and then go. We'd put you know four or five potatoes in the oven and and uh, and, and bake them, and so I and mean, you had a wonderful smell of baked potatoes. I can remember it now coming out of the kitchen, and. uh the skins would be beautifully crisp and brown. And we would eat the skins of the baked potatoes. Oh, but, I'd do that. Yeah, yeah i like them. A, a, a lot of folks don't like to do that. Do yep, I? yep. It's definitely a dividing point. Some people no, mm. and some people absolutely. Yes, <laughs> some do, some don't. But we would do Always with, again, too much butter and uh, well, too much Much like cheese. on Guy Fawkes night. Yeah, just you're, the, you're same, yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, same type of potatoes. Yeah, but we, you know all families certainly in england i'm sure everywhere all families make best use of what they've got and potatoes are one of the staple things oh, yeah. that we had right so yeah. you would make use of it now did your did your dad cook a good bit um yes he would cook he would cook he would cook this he would cook the recipes that mum didn't want to get involved in like she didn't really want to get involved in any cooking but um you know back then you'd, she took on the role of housewife, and housewife meant cooking for yep. the wife, meant cooking for the kids. So she would cook for us, but it, it, she took no pleasure from cooking.
1: <sighs> she took no real way. pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but Dad would like to do things like, um, well, I just mentioned the very, very thin, weak meat stew soup that we made in the in the um, in the Pindale um, Outdoor Pursuit Center place. Uh, but Dad would like to do that sort of stuff. He would like to buy. He would, he would like to buy cheap cuts of meat that were on the bone and then make a soup or a broth stock out of them. That was his yeah. great thing. He loved to do that. Yeah. 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 My dad, it's funny, dad never cooked,
1: right. never, um, and occasionally would grill. Yes. Occasionally, we'd have a steak or something like that oh, on the wow. grill, yeah, maybe okay. burgers or something like that, yeah. and he would cook then, but I cannot
0: remember him ever being in the kitchen cooking anything, not one time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I, yeah, so I, I can't say that I learned my uh, delight in cooking at all from anything that happened at home. If it, you know, maybe some little seeds were planted there, but uh, something we'll get into in another episode, I'm sure, is it was my, it was my 15 years in France and living next door to Monsieur and Madame Fauconnet. And uh, these two wonderful folks took me under their wing and treated me like a son, but they, 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 they taught me to cook. Well, and it is a different mentality when you're in a little village in your house and stuff. It's not like you're
1: going to run down to, you yes, know, the local grocery store Absolutely. and get something that night for dinner. You're going to cook
0: and, and sustain yes. yourself. Yes, and the big and the big joy of uh, what I've picked up immediately from living in France is, you're going to cook. We, we said it love like with potatoes. You're going to cook what you have, but you're going to cook whatever is fresh that day, whatever you have in the market is what's going to be for dinner. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't say for example um, I don't know. I'm going to make um, I'm going to make a, a shepherd's pie for example. It's going to be ground it's going to be ground lamb and then we're going to get um, you know we'll, we'll, we'll mash some potato and put the potato and we'll make a wonderful English shepherd's pie and then go to the shops and try and buy the ingredients you need. You would in France you would go to the market, see what they had and then cook that. You'd make yeah. a dish around that, you yeah. know. I think that's the way. Yeah. Now, sometimes I will do that. I will. I'll be. I'll swing through the grocery store maybe
1: five, six o'clock, and there may be a cut of meat that's at you know their last day, and they've marked it down and stuff, and it's still very you know. That's the way to do. Good, it. but I'll say, well, that's what we're having tonight. So yeah. then yeah. I've decided, you know, out of, on a whim, we're having this type of steak tonight, or we're having with this cut you. of whatever.
0: I am with you all the way on that. I, I and get it makes good weather. sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, well, it it's, makes good yeah. good budget sense, of course, but it's also a great fun thing to do to. You know, go and find something and yeah, this is on offer. You know, we've got three of these. What are we gonna make with these? I, I I love all of that sort of stuff. And and it's a surprise and it may be something you never tried before and then all of a sudden <laughs> hey I love this. And now yeah. it's in now it's in the routine. And now it's yeah. in the routine. Well I think we better think about wrapping up our little conversation for today. I think. Need... Time's zoomed along again, isn't it? Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, gentleness, I hope you've enjoyed that. Uh, uh, what did we start off talking about? Oh, it was, it was food and recipes around sort of Christmasish time, wasn't it? Really? Well,
1: now's the time when everybody's that's feasting, that's and, and a lot, of, a lot of talk is on food and planning food and yeah. and family and such. Yes, yeah, like well,
0: we're so. all thinking. Well, most of us are always thinking about food all the while, aren't we? You know, where's the next dish coming from? What is going to exist? What, what will it? Uh, what will it consist of? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, there you go. There's the end of this episode, gentle listener. Do join us again for another episode of. Matches and the other other guy. All right, Kevin, you want to say bye-bye? See you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Bye.